Chapter twenty four of the Suffragette The History of the Women's Militant Suffrage Movement by E. Sylvia Pankhurst. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twenty four. Nineteen ten. The General Election, the Truce, the Conciliation Committee, a series of great demonstrations. War is again declared. Another General Election. Conclusion with the opening of the new year nineteen ten whilst many of the women were still in prison the general election began the women's social and political union fought the government in forty constituencies in almost every one of these contests the liberal vote was reduced and eighteen of the seats which had been held by government representatives at the dissolution were wrested from them during the election the liberal government's absolute majority over all sections of the house had been swept away and they were now dependent for their existence upon the votes of the labor and irish parties the suffragettes were now advised in many quarters that the militant tactics had forced the government to the point of wishing to gain peace by granting votes to women but that cabinet ministers were now afraid to do so lest they should seem to have given way to coercion the contest for supreme power in the new parliament being over the women therefore decided to give the re-elected government and the parliamentary supporters of women's suffrage a quiet opportunity to settle the matter between them on february fourteenth the w s p u proclaimed a truce and the women's freedom league followed suit during the past year more than twenty thousand meetings had been held by the w s p u alone in addition to the many thousands organized by the other suffrage societies now that militancy was to be laid aside a period of even greater effort in the direction of building up the organization and extending the purely educational work was to be entered upon important developments were also to take place within parliament itself for many years a committee of parliamentary supporters of women's suffrage had existed this was originally inaugurated on june tenth eighteen eighty seven under the influence of miss lydia becker it was strictly non-party members from all sections of the house having belonged to it during the parliament elected in nineteen hundred six however the old committee had been allowed to lapse the liberal supporters of the question formed a woman suffrage committee of their own and abandoning the attempt to secure votes for women and seeking instead to extend the franchise all around they had put forward mr geoffrey howard's reform bill which had had no chance of being carried now largely owing to the efforts of mr h n brailsford a conciliation committee was formed with the object of uniting all sections of opinion favorable to women's enfranchisement and of coming to a common agreement upon some particular measure the earl of lytton acted as chairman of this committee and mr brailsford himself as secretary its members consisted of twenty-five liberals seventeen conservatives six irish nationalists and six members of the labor party in discussing the terms of the bill to be adopted the unionist members urged that it should be moderate whilst the liberals insisted that it must give no loophole for increasing the possibilities of plural voting or adding to the power of the propertied classes though the majority of the women who attend the english universities do so as a preparation for earning their livelihood the liberals did not wish to see the franchise for university graduates which is exercised by men extended to women because as they said the poorest women do not graduate for similar reasons they opposed the granting of votes to women under the joint household qualification which applies only to houses rented at twenty pounds a year and upwards under the lodger franchise which applies only to those who pay at least four shillings a week for an unfurnished room and under the ownership franchise 
to overcome the objections of the self-styled democrats the old women's enfranchisement bill which would have given bare justice to women by extending the parliamentary vote to them on equal terms with men was therefore abandoned and a measure was drafted on the lines of the existing municipal franchise of which the basis is occupation and under which there is no qualification for owners lodgers or graduates local government was the earliest form of government in this country it has been the most persistent and staple government from the centre was of later growth and has many times been interrupted the municipal franchise as it exists to-day is chiefly dependent on the municipal corporations acts of eighteen thirty five and eighteen thirty nine before the passing of the first of these acts women possessed and exercised equal voting rights with men in regard to matters of local government but the act of eighteen thirty five deprived them of these rights in all towns incorporated under it in eighteen sixty five however women's suffrage societies demanding the admission of women to both national and local franchises sprang into being and when the municipal corporations act of eighteen sixty nine was before parliament mr jacob bright succeeded in carrying an amendment to restore to women the rights of which the act of eighteen thirty five had deprived them it was a liberal government that framed and carried the municipal corporations act of eighteen sixty nine and that government accepted the amendment to extend its provisions to women there was no suggestion then nor has any since been made that that franchise when exercised either by men or women is undemocratic when applied to municipal purposes therefore following the lines of the existing municipal franchise the conciliation committee proposed to extend the parliamentary vote to women householders and to women occupiers of business premises paying ten pounds a year and upwards it was estimated that ninety-five per cent of the women who would be enfranchised under this conciliation bill would be householders to the householder franchise no monetary qualification whatsoever is attached and every one who inhabits even a single room over which he or she has full control is counted as a householder as soon as this bill had been decided upon by the members of parliament who formed the conciliation committee it was submitted to the various suffrage and other women's organizations with a request to adopt it many of the societies including the militants at first demurred on the ground that though the number of women enfranchised would not differ greatly the principle of equality between men and women which the women's enfranchisement bill had laid down would be sacrificed by the new measure mr brailsford and others urged however that the conciliation bill was the only one to which the various sections in the house who supported woman's suffrage would agree they also pointed out that as the women whom it was proposed to enfranchise were already upon the municipal register no difficulty would be experienced in adding the lists of their names to the parliamentary register also before the next general election even should this take place within the year therefore on condition that it should be passed during the session all the various women's organizations worked wholeheartedly for the measure on june eighteen the w s p u organized in support of the conciliation bill a greater procession of women than had ever yet been held in which joined numbers of organizations both national and international headed by a company of six hundred and seventeen women in white dresses carrying long gleaming silver staves tipped with broad arrows each representing an imprisonment the massed ranks with their gay banners took more than an hour and a half to pass a given point the great albert hall was able to contain but a section of the processionists no place for woman's suffrage had been obtained in the private member's ballot 
the conciliation bill had been drafted in the hope that the government would provide time for its discussion and five days after the great procession the prime minister in reply to an influentially signed petition of members of parliament promised to give facilities for the second reading of the bill at the same time he stated that he could not provide an early date for this but just as the militant forces were preparing for action he agreed to fix monday and tuesday july the eleventh and twelfth for the discussion of the bill the object of the conciliation bill's promoters was of course not merely to secure the passage of the second reading by a substantial majority but also that it should be sent for discussion to one of the standing committees instead of being referred to a committee of the whole house because if the latter course were pursued no further progress could be made unless the government were prepared to provide more time as usual the attitude of the government was anxiously awaited it was rumoured that mr lloyd george would speak in opposition to the bill but those who believed his professions of friendship for the woman's cause hoped against hope that he would not do so mr winston churchill had been several times in conference with the officials of the conciliation committee and had expressed sympathy with their object they counted confidently upon his help it is true that some days before the debate they had received a letter from him criticizing the terms of the bill but they still regarded him as a friend to the measure nevertheless early in the second day's debate he rose to make a bitter and uncompromising attack upon it he began by seeking to prove that the grievance of excluding women from the franchise was greatly exaggerated that they did not suffer any legislative disability therefrom and that neither the mass of the women themselves nor of the male electorate desired the enfranchisement of women he went on to speak vaguely of the danger of creating a vast body of privileged and dependent voters who might be manipulated manoeuvred in this division or in that then having elaborately striven to build up a case against the granting of votes to women on any terms he proceeded with an air of considerable magnanimity to admit that a slight grievance existed because all women were disfranchised he was of the opinion that this grievance could only be redressed in one or two ways either by giving the vote to some of the best women of all classes or by giving the vote to every woman the former method he described as the first way and he said i always hoped the conciliation committee would travel along that road in particularizing his favorite method of proceeding by means of his proposed special franchises he admitted that no doubt these would be disrespectfully called fancy franchises and explained that they would give the vote to a comparatively small number of women of all classes on considerations of property earning capacity or education these special franchises would he said be fairly balanced one against the other so as not on the whole to give an undue advantage to the property vote as against the wage-earning vote that he said would not be a democratic proposal it would provide for the representation of the sex through the strongest most capable and most responsible women in every class and that would meet the main grievance in my humble judgment thus the loudly professing democrat mr churchill proposed to enfranchise only those women whom the members of the conciliation committee in the earnest and patient effort to comply with mr asquith's proviso that their bill must be democratic had gradually weeded out they had excluded the property owners as such in favor of their poorer sisters the graduates because only the comfortably circumstanced can go to college and the lodgers because the majority of women wage-earners to the shame of our country cannot afford to pay four shilling a week for their rooms these three classes the women who own property 
those who have graduated at college and those who earn comparatively high wages were surely those whom mr churchill had intended to indicate the women had agreed to their exclusion because as compared with the householders their numbers were small this was the very reason for which mr churchill had selected them for inclusion for he described the conciliation bill as an enormous addition to the franchise though it would only enfranchise one million women as against seven million men he went on to attack the terms of the conciliation bill describing it as anti-democrat and declaring that it gave representation to property as against persons the more i study the bill he said the more astonished i am that such a large number of respected members of parliament should have found it possible to put their names to it he complained that the bulk of married women would not be able to qualify but that a man who owned a house and stable would be able to qualify his wife for the former and himself for the latter as though that would not also be the case under his own proposed fancy franchises he asserted that the young inexperienced girl of twenty-one would be enfranchised under the conciliation bill whilst the woman who keeps by her labour an invalid husband and his family would get no vote yet in practice we all know that girls of twenty-one are not usually qualified either as householders or occupiers and in justice and let us hope in its practice also the woman who works to maintain her husband and family is counted as the responsible householder and would vote instead of the husband she maintains he ended with a final appeal to members to vote against the bill saying that a vote on the second reading of this bill was equivalent to that on the third reading of any other and that those who cast their votes for it should be able to say i want this bill passed into law this session regardless of all other consequences i want it as it is and i want it now mr asquith spoke against the principle of women's enfranchisement in general and against the conciliation bill in particular he began by saying that a franchise measure ought not to be sent to a standing committee but to one of the whole house he declared also that his conditions that proof must be shown that the majority of the women desired any proposed measures for their enfranchisement and that the measure should be democratic in its character had not been complied with towards the end of the debate mr lloyd george also threw the weight of his influence into the scale against the bill he stated that he agreed with every word both relevant and irrelevant that had been uttered by mr churchill nevertheless he refrained from depreciating the abstract principle of woman's suffrage as the home secretary had done and directed his attack wholly against the terms of the bill in defiance of the fact he persistently declared that the conciliation committee which had drafted the bill was a committee of women meeting outside the house and that they had come to the house saying not merely must you vote for women's suffrage but you must vote for the particular form upon which we agree and we will not even allow you to deliberate upon any other form he said that this was a position which no self-respecting legislature could possibly accept yet the government had all the parliamentary year at their disposal to introduce what measures they chose and for years and years the women had been calling upon them to formulate a woman's suffrage measure of their own it had been urged he said that this bill was better than none at all why should that be the alternative he asked but when a member called out what is the other he answered evasively well i cannot say for the moment but allow me i am trying to concentrate for the sake of others who desire to follow me in this debate later he said 
if the promoters of this bill say that they regard the second reading merely as an affirmation of the principle of woman's suffrage and if they promise that when they reintroduce the bill it will be in a form which will enable the house of commons to move any amendment either for restriction or for extension i shall be happy to vote for this bill will the government give time asked mr rock a liberal member but the only answer was that is a question for the prime minister mr snowdon winding up the debate for the promoters of the bill replied to mr lloyd george's challenge he said we will withdraw this bill if the right honourable gentleman on behalf of the government or the prime minister himself will undertake to give to this house the opportunity of discussing and carrying through its various stages another form of franchise bill if we cannot get that then we shall prosecute this bill mr lloyd george and the other members of the government sat silent they well knew the difficulties under which the conciliation committee laboured and they knew too that the women were striving at great cost and sacrifice to obtain for their sex the largest possible measure of representation but with the power to speedily bring the matter to a satisfactory conclusion they preferred to hamper the efforts of both with obstructive criticism as mr snowdon aptly put it it would pass the wit of man to put that principle into a bill which would meet with the approval of the chancellor of the exchequer and the home secretary mr balfour mr haldane and mr runciman were amongst those who spoke in support of the bill but the two ministers urged that it should not be allowed to pass to one of the standing committees after thirty-nine speeches had been delivered the division was taken the second reading was then found to have been carried by two hundred ninety nine votes to one hundred ninety giving a favourable majority of one hundred nine a majority larger than that cast during the parliament for any measure and even for the government's vaunted budget and house of lords resolutions a division was next taken on a resolution to refer the bill to a committee of the whole house the anti-suffragists in the hope of shelving the bill those who feared to anger the government and those who genuinely believed that so important a measure should be considered by the whole house in each of its stages combined to carry this resolution by three hundred twenty votes to one hundred seventy five the question was now whether the government would allow the few days necessary for the committee and other final stages practically all other important legislative work was hanging fire because of the deadlock in regard to the house of lords controversy the conference between the leaders of the conservative and liberal parties which after king edward's death had been set up to discuss this matter was still sitting and until its deliberations were at end no progress towards a settlement would be made therefore for the moment parliament had plenty of time on its hands and urgent pressure was brought upon the government to give out of this abundance to the woman's bill on july seventeenth the men's political union for women's suffrage the men's league for women's suffrage and the conciliation committee held a joint meeting in hyde park in support of the bill on july twenty third the anniversary of the day in eighteen sixty seven on which the pulling down of the hyde park railings won the vote for the working men in the towns the women's social and political union held another great demonstration there for which a space of half a square mile was specially cleared there were forty platforms many societies cooperated and two fine processions one from the east and the other from the west marched to the meeting the older suffragists had also demonstrated in trafalgar square but on the very day of the w s p u s big hyde park meeting the prime minister wrote to lord lytton refusing to allow any further time for the bill that session but parliament was to meet again in the autumn it was still hoped that the government might concede the time then 
resolutions urging them to do so were sent in from numbers of popularly elected bodies including the corporations of manchester liverpool bradford nottingham glasgow dundee dublin cork and thirty others there were signs that the truce of the militants which had lasted for nine months would soon be at an end this time it was men friends to the cause who gave the first warning on october seventeenth young mr victor duval now secretary of the men's political union for woman's suffrage was arrested for seizing mr lloyd george by the lapel of his coat and rebuking him for his hostility to the woman's bill as he passed into the city temple where he was to speak mr george jacobs an elderly man saw that the police were treating duval roughly and called out to them do not hurt him he was also arrested and both men were imprisoned for a week mr lloyd george had been speaking against the conciliation bill in wales and numbers of welsh women liberals plainly showed their disapproval of his action the women constituents of several other cabinet ministers were pressing to be received in deputation and in view of the general election they could scarcely be denied on october twenty seventh mr asquith consented to see the women of east fife he told them that facilities could not be granted before the close of the year and even when asked what of next year he merely answered wait and see other ministers seconded him they were all agreed in refusing to allow the bill to pass into law that year therefore at a great meeting in the albert hall on november tenth the truce broke war was once more declared mrs pankhurst announced that another deputation would march to the house of commons to carry a petition to the prime minister she herself would lead the deputation if i were to go alone she said still i would go but at that hundreds of women's voices cried out from all parts of the hall mrs pankhurst i will go with you i will go i will go then mrs pethick lawrence called for funds for the campaign and nine thousand pounds was immediately subscribed the autumn session lasted but a few days for on november eighteenth mr asquith announced that parliament would be dissolved on november twenty eighth and that a general election would take place even whilst he spoke the women four hundred fifty of them divided into companies of less than twelve to keep within the law were marching from the caxton hall and clements inn mrs pankhurst dr garrett anderson founder of girton college and one of the medical women pioneers now over seventy years of age mrs hertha ayton the scientist mrs cobden sanderson and miss nelligan and mrs brackenbury both of whom had reached the great age of seventy-eight were among the first little band they soon learnt that the prime minister had refused to see them some of their number were hurled back into the crowd the remainder were kept standing on the porch for hours with the shut door before them and a surging crowd behind the companies of women who came after were torn apart fell to the ground struck again and again bruised and battered and tossed hither and thither with a violence that perhaps excelled anything that had gone before one hundred and fifteen women and four men were eventually arrested but the full story of that day's happenings belongs to another and let us hope to the last chapter of this long fight meanwhile the prime minister forgot to reply to mr keir hardy's question as to the fate of the conciliation bill lord balcarres then moved a resolution which was practically a vote of censure upon the government for their treatment of the women fifty-two members voted for it but it was lost eventually mr lloyd george said the prime minister would make a statement on the following tuesday tuesday saw the women's parliament again in session and the women waiting eagerly for the news mr asquith said 
the government will if they are still in power give facilities in the next parliament for effectively proceeding with a bill which is so framed as to admit a free amendment he refused however to promise that this should be done during the first year of the new parliament facilities for the conciliation bill had been asked for the reply that facilities would be given to a bill so framed as to admit a free amendment was too vague to please the women but the refusal to grant an opportunity for passing a suffrage bill into law during the first year of parliament was more serious the parliament now to be dissolved had lasted less than a year who could ensure a longer life for its successor mr asquith had given the women scant reason to trust any vague promises of his therefore mrs pankhurst announced to the women i am going to downing street come along all of you and the women went the police however gradually beat them back and over a hundred arrests were made on wednesday there were eighteen further arrests and twenty-nine more on thursday many of the women were discharged but seventy-five received sentences of imprisonment varying from fourteen days to one month then came the general election and again the suffragettes strenuously opposed the government in almost every constituency fought by them the liberal vote was reduced a notable instance was that of cardiff where a liberal majority of fifteen hundred fifty five was converted into a conservative majority of two hundred ninety nine here the eight hundred members of the women's liberal association abstained from working for their party because its candidate sir clarendon hyde was opposed to votes for women the end of the election saw the liberal government still in power during the year the women's suffrage societies had all grown largely the women's social and political union salaried staff now stands at one hundred ten persons its central offices at clement's inn occupy twenty-three rooms and a shop in thirteen rooms have also been taken for the women's press at one hundred fifty six charing cross road there are also one hundred five local centres of the union the income of the central organization of the w s p u during nineteen ten was thirty four thousand five hundred pounds excluding nine thousand pounds made by the women's press and many thousands collected by the local unions the twenty thousand pound campaign fund is now complete the conciliation bill has been again introduced again its scope and title have been modified to please the democrats its text now is every woman possessed of a household qualification within the meaning of the representation of the people act eighteen eighty four shall be entitled to be registered as a voter and when registered to vote for the country or borough in which the qualifying premises are situate for the purposes of this act a woman shall not be disqualified by marriage from being registered as a voter provided that a husband and wife shall not both be registered as voters in the same parliamentary borough or county division in reply to a deputation of women who waited upon him in october nineteen ten mr burrell said i am strongly of opinion that in the course of next year facilities must be given for the bill you are perfectly right he added in feeling irritated and annoyed at the delay that has taken place and in insisting on a date for parliamentary action mr asquith's promise is that facilities for a woman's suffrage measure will be granted during this parliament such statements as these must now be held as binding and the long-standing government veto of this question must be withdrawn so the gallant struggle for a great reform draws to its close full of stern fighting and bitter hardship as it has been it has brought much to the women of our time a courage a self-reliance a comradeship 
and above all a spiritual growth a conscious dwelling in company with the ideal which has tended to strip the littleness from life and to give to it the character of an heroic mission may we prize and cherish the great selfless spirit that has been engendered and applying it to the purposes of our government the nation's housekeeping the management of our collective affairs may we men and women together not in antagonism but in comradeship strive on till we have built up a better civilization than any that the world has known for surely just as those children are fortunate who have two parents a mother and a father to care for them so is the nation fortunate that has its mothers and its fathers its brothers and its sisters working together for the common good end of chapter twenty four end of the suffragette the history of the women's militant suffrage movement by e sylvia pankhurst recorded by celine major